What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 382nd episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ. Less than three weeks from Sword and Shield. Will could not be any more excited. Well, nobody cares about Sword and Shield. What they care about is the Galar Gala that will be occurring, <laughs> not in my home, in my building on October 15th. Because I have reserved October? the party room. Oct- November 15th. Oh, okay. Look, months and time are, that's like, I'm dyslexic about those things. It might as well be March. <laughs> Cold month one fifteenth. I actually can't tell if you're excited for these games or not. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you about excitement for a game. Uh-huh. Brittany's back. I like that transition. <laughs> no, Greg. We kicked him off ultimately for Brittany. I think we made the ultimate. <laughs> I think we made the better choice here. Eh, I think he probably should have gotten rid of me and kept Greg. He's got a more animated personality. Yeah, yeah, but here's here's Greg in a nutshell. He hates Pokemon Masters. He hates Pokemon Go. <laughs> he doesn't hate Pokemon Go. He plays more Pokemon Go than I do. Dang, I was trying to roast Greg, but I actually can't think of anything right now. <laughs> I know it's hard to roast somebody so perfect. He's wonderful. But speaking of Greg and speaking of Pokemon Masters, we can start off today's episode with some Pokemon Masters news. Uh, we have some TCG news this week. We have uh, a big, we have another interview. I would say it's big. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's huge. I would say it's big, but uh, we talked to Masuda and Omori again. I believe that was Eurogamer that had uh, some interview questions regarding Surfetch and Let's Go and what's the word? Their like marketing plan for Sword and Shield up to this point. Um, and so that's what we got for you guys today, but let's just get the master news out of the way. Starting today, uh, this was the email they sent me. Uh, this was October 24th, 24th, starting today and rolling out through November, the mobile RPG Pokemon Masters will receive a new slew of game content and features. Three new story chapters on November 6th, where fan favorite trainer Calum will make his Pokemon Master debut. I don't know if Caleb's a fan favorite. For someone. Well, I'm sure, yeah. Just like Farfetch'd is somebody's favorite. I, had, mm-hmm. I feel like Serena walked out away from X and Y being the, uh, the one people cared about. Mm, you're right. You're correct. That is correct. New expert difficulty that challenges players in the strike tech and support courses at higher difficulty with a promise of more items and rewards. That is now available. New missions are now available until November 6th, and the grass and electric-type training events are now live and will run through October 30th and 29th, respectfully. Respectively. There's there's your master's update. They're trying. Give them credit where credit is due. Despite knowing the new stuff that they've trying to push out, I still haven't (laughs) gone back. I've been enthralled in other games instead because I, I just can't. I've, I, I want to go back to collect my gems at the very least, but I can't. <laughs> like like finishing Let's Go? Because I am the Kanto champion. Hello. I am not. <laughs> Still. I wanted to beat you and I failed. <laughs> now you can you catch me too. 
Oh, what is the right nature to get from Mewtwo? Because I got to do the little color lady before I go and talk to Mewtwo. Or does does the color lady work on Mewtwo? She does. Uh, and there's also uh, something that happens after you catch Mewtwo. I won't spoil that. But something happens immediately when you catch him. You would probably want timid, modest, or adamant, or maybe you pick jolly. One because okay, okay, oh okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so for normal Mewtwo and Mewtwo Y, uh, I would go with timid, which is pink red. By the way, from the Flower Lady, you could go modest, which is blue red, from the Flower Lady. But for whatever reason, if you really wanted to do like Mega Mewtwo X, which no one ever wants to do, is that because, the fighting one? Yeah. Because okay. Y is significantly better. Um, you could do Adamant uh, or Jolly for Mega Mewtwo X. But for Mewtwo and Mewtwo Y, I, I would recommend Timid. I'll go for Timid. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to forget this in about five minutes. So pink and red. Speaking of Mewtwo, maybe you're a lazy Pokemon player. Maybe it took you almost a full year to beat Pokemon Let's Go. <laughs> There's no maybe about that. That is 100% correct William R. Anderson. But William or R. Brittany Vasquez. <laughs> but Brittany yes. and Will. Corporate America has your back. Best Buy is giving you a free Mewtwo. Ooh. You can get a Mewtwo and Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Or th- th- no real reason. <laughs> the Pokemon Company announced there's a second way to get Mewtwo and Let's Go that does not evolve Cerulean Cave ahead of Pokemon Sword and Shield's release date. They're giving away a Mewtwo to folks that over head over to Best Buy with the Pokemon Pass app on iPhone and Android. Uh, you'll have to launch the Pass app at Best Buy to obtain the code. It is available from November 4th to the 14th. So you got 10 days before Sword and Shield. And of course, it says, while you're getting your Mewtwo at Best Buy, why don't you pre-order Sword and Shield? <laughs> Uh, oh, because also, I want to get the gold coin. Uh, gold case. So Best no, Buy has no, the coins. The, Silver coins. Oh. Wait. I, no, 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 no. There's somebody that's giving away the coin. Best Buy's giving away silver coins. Target's giving away a gold case. <sighs> you can also get shiny Lunala or shiny Sogaleo or Sogaleo. I'm not sh- uh, still sure how to say that. I have to watch the anime. Or Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon when you visit GameStop. That's going on now. Uh, and that will continue, I don't actually, I'm sorry, I don't have the dates in front of me for that one. But you can get those in the Pokemon Pass app. So, so far we've had two American things that rely on the Pokemon Pass app. The shiny Sogaleo Lunala, and then the shiny uh, Eevee and Pikachu. Uh, those were available at Target. And then the GameStop ones that are going on right now. And the, that app lets you get three codes, which is better than one code for sure. Uh, because I guess technically the pieces of paper they used to hand out did say limit one per person. Although some GameStop people would give you a hundred of them because they just, just wanted give you a you stack to, of them. Yeah, they just yeah. wanted you to leave. Uh, some GameStop people would maybe give you two. Some GameStop people would uh, pretend or lie to you and say you would have to pre-order something to get a code, which is not allowed, but they do it anyways. But it gives you three. If you're somebody who buys all four games or in this case, Sun and Moon, and Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. You're one short uh, for that, which is a bit of a bummer, but also you're probably in a minority there. In the case of Let's Go, if you bought 
both Let's Go's, you did get one extra code because you can't redeem multiple codes in the same console. Um, so you can give that code away. The nice thing that we've learned with uh, the Switch is that there have been other distributions. There's like the Pokemon Center distributions in Japan. There was the uh, Japanese Mewtwo from the movie in Japan. Uh, there was the Giovanni's Mewtwo that appeared in the UK. Uh, all of those codes have worked on any type of Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. So an American can grab that American could have got that European code. A Korean person could have got the Pokemon Center code. Person from Brazil could have got the Target Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee code. So those are universal. Japan and Europe technically got their Mewtwo's. We're getting our Mewtwo now, but without any real reason. It, I'm assuming this Mewtwo will probably be in a Cherish Ball, so that'll make it different. Uh, it's not shiny. But I guess, I guess the thing that this Mewtwo does is makes me go, what happened to our Mewtwo movie? <laughs> It uh, came ooh, out in yay. Japan. Ooh, shouldn't we be getting that in November? We uh, there there we never read this on the show. It was I remember reading an article about how they decided not to bring this movie to America, mm-hmm. and maybe that was a last minute change. But this seems like they were saving the Mewtwo for that movie. Then that mute movie never came, so they were like. Let's just give him the Mewtwo and move on with life. Yeah, that's sad, though. It is. Like, I can see them not wanting to overshadow Sword and Shield, maybe with a movie, but to not bring it over at all? I don't, yeah, I don't particularly know. But if you're, if you're not a U.S. listener and you're listening to the show, if you're a Canadian listener or a U.K. listener, well, you, U.K., you already got your Mewtwo. I know. Stop being so greedy. If you have friends in America, they can get three codes when they go to uh, Best Buy. You could probably bother them for a code if you want a, a Mewtwo here. It would be nice if they would extend the dates for Best Buy until, like, after the 15th. Then I could just pick up my game and also simultaneously yeah, get Make one yeah. trip to Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. They, wa- they want you to get that pre-order. Ah. See, that's the thing about... I'm sorry, Brittany... And, now, and, and you know, I've spoken on this program. I think I've spoken on this program. Maybe it was a different program. I don't know. I do too much media these days about the one in one out rule about Minnesota and how somebody got to leave Minnesota because I moved there. The actual truth is I got to leave D.C. because you moved there. <laughs> and now you'll never be able to park at a Best Buy ever again. While I can drive right up to any Best Buy and park in a parking lot and stroll right in. Well, I'm not living in D.C., so I can still do that. Look, where you live, that's D.C. Trust. (laughs) I guess. Poor movie. It'll be be like a straight-to-Netflix release or a straight-to-DVD release at some point in time. Blu-ray, sorry. I kind of want a horror movie now for Pokemon, now that you mention it. What? That could be cool. There are no. definitely some creepy Pokemon. Okay, there is that one episode of the cartoon where Ash was dead. That yeah. was even a little much for me. And the Ditto <laughs> one, that was a little too creepy. All right, we've already done Pokemon horror. We don't need more of that. <laughs> and I mean, not dead like in the first movie where he, like, Pikachu tears brought him back to life. I'm like, his ghost was outside his body dancing around and playing with the Gengars and Haunters. Just for the uh, Pokemon Pass app, 
which is the the main way to get codes now in the US at least. Uh, if you for some reason you can't find the QR code in the GameStop, or maybe you just don't want to walk into the GameStop, uh, but you're close enough by being in your car outside of the GameStop, if you click the lower left hand corner when it says after it says you have arrived because it's geolocation based. Uh, if you click the question mark in the lower left hand corner and say I don't see a QR code as one of the options, <laughs> uh, it just gives you your codes right there. I, I did walk around my GameStop. I couldn't find the QR code uh, near the Pokemon plushes, uh, near the Pokemon TCG, near the DS games, which they still carry, and near the Switch stuff. No QR code anywhere, so I didn't want to talk to anyone. So that's what I did. Wise choice. This is off uh, PokemonGoLive.com, October 21st, coming 2020. Go Battle League trainers. Battling has been a core part of the Pokemon universe since the, re- since the very beginning. We are excited to announce the development of a feature that will build upon trainer battles. The current form of player versus player battling that exists with Pokemon Go. This feature will be called Go Battle League. Like many Pokemon Go features, Go Battle League will encourage players to get out and explore the world of Pokemon. Trainers will be able to walk in order to... Let me repeat this. Trainers will be able to walk in order to earn entry into the Go Battle League. Then battle opponents from around the globe through an online matchmaking system and rise in the ranks of the league. We hope this feature will make Pokemon Go battling exciting and more competitive and accessible to trainers. Go Battle League is slated for release in early 2020, and we'll be sharing more details in a special Dev Insight video soon. Stay tuned, trainers. So you have to walk to battle? I don't quite understand it, yeah. no. Like, how far do you need to walk? Do you need a, Is this like a passive thing that you just kind of do as you wait for it to load, or is there like a... Is it like another thing they're adding on to your end of the week? Walk tw- 10, walk 25, walk 50? That's what I thought it Where's was. Where's the battling, though? Well, you can. What what doesn't fully make sense is you can battle anyone you're next to, and you can battle anyone over the internet as long as they're three or four star friends. I've done that. Uh, to get your Sinnoh stones. I mean, everyone who's playing Pokemon Go probably has Adventure Sync on or or whatnot, and they're probably walking anyways. See, I have it on. But it does not adventure sync oh. for me. So I have to either connect or just have it open as I'm walking or, or put my Go Plus on. Do you have an Android? I don't. Mm. Do you, in iOS, approve? I think you might have to approve it in HealthKit. Mm. At what point it was working, though. So I, 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 you I, know what I've also noticed is the Pokemon Go app has disappeared from my watch. Oh, yeah, they killed that app. Well, where was that on my It's Super Effective News of the Week? We 100% (laughs) talked about it. (laughs) Did we really? Maybe it was one of the weeks I wasn't on. They killed that app because of Adventure Sync. Boy, the things you miss out on when you're supposed to be paying attention. (laughs) Uh, But besides the point of speculating what this is, more in-depth... There are there there is a there is a small and passionate battling community. 
Uh, I am not part of that because I don't particularly think battling in Pokemon Go is exhilarating. But to be fair, nor do I think battling in in main series Pokemon games or like uh, it just blech, I'm, I'm not a my competitive days are, are kind of past me here on that that kind yeah. of stuff. You're an old man. What I am, what is mind blowing to me, and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm not actually sure somebody at Niantic could answer this question. I'd be very curious. I know there's a couple people from Niantic that listen to the show, and a couple people from the Pokemon Company that listen to the show. Uh, what? Why mm, is this graphic so awful? It's just the Pokemon Go logo over their their baseball field stadium thing with their computer generated 1992 tree in the background. Why is this graphic just pure awful? Like it is the same graphic they used when they announced the battling to begin with and I remember very clearly complaining why are we using this awful image to promote a new feature when just days before this they announced a new team rocket feature and the graphics for that feature looked great it looked like they they actually hired somebody to work there to like make art for it and to make an in-game item they clearly have like artists and other people working for them uh, the Reggie Gigas event, when you buy the the pass, the that pass is not like the other. It's like a little pink, very nice looking pass. And when you go back to look at other new features they've announced, like when they announced raids, they had this great graphic of this city with people playing and all these eggs were above the city floating. And it was very, it was like a good mix between computer generated stuff and human stuff. And then even with Community Days, they have that great graphic of like a phone screen with the picture of the com- the Pokemon, and then it's like the background of it that goes into the phone. And now they've been doing these like 30 second really great Pokemon in the real world stuff. And then they, they put out this, PokemonGoLive.com, new battling is coming 2020, No, like no information besides it's coming, so it's not like they were like, oh, we need to get this out this week immediately, because if we wait till November 1st, people are going to stop battling. Like, there is no rhyme or reason why, like, this news needed to drop on October 21st. Maybe they're, like... And it's just the the most awful graphic, it's so bad. You are being way too critical. That graphic's not that bad. Hey, look at the dirt. That's not even grass. It's just green. <laughs> That's okay. Not Look, we it's, need to step away not, from a high-res world. It's not okay for a game that makes millions and for a company that have has proven time and time again that they can pump out good graphics. Because they just look, did it a week ago with the Team Rocket stuff. They're just, it, you can see a field, the field of battle. It's blurry because as the actual release of the feature approaches, it will become clearer and clearer and more real. That's uh, why, why you, you just look, you pay nothing for this or minimal, not very much. How much are you throwing into this game to be making such demands? Too much. 
How, yeah, how much do you spend in per I month? Think, I think Go. in the three years oh, wait. Oh, wait. per month, I per month, probably like 10 bucks. Criticism. October 22nd, 2019. Community note. Improvements to Pokemon Go experience. <gasps> oh, my God. There's no graphic at all. How did this billion dollar company blah, give blah, me blah, a blah, news October 26th, Willow Report, Lumen in the Shadows. Let's just ignore what this says. Look at this little uh, credit card thing. It has more detail in the reflective purple screen than that grass ever had. Uh, but what is that background? Postmodern, neo-Mondrian, black and white, monochrome... Oh, my word. And then you scroll down, and there's another early rocket radar prototype, and it has all of these. It's very detailed, very nice looking. Yeah, because the Team Rocket stuff in the lore is well established now in Pokemon Go, so you got to give the people, like, like this is something that's real. This new walkie battle dealie is I feel like fresh. grass, trees, and skies are well established in the Pokemon I feel like you're lore. way too demanding. <laughs> Look at these mountains and trees behind Professor Will. Professor Willow's face doesn't even look real. That looks like Microsoft Paint right there. Oh my gosh. I mean, it sounds like it's only the battle graphics that sounds really that they look really bad. So someone at Niantic just really hates battling and refuses to make those graphics look No, nice. it actually looks like the graphic <laughs> in the game and I just Yes. It's just like they took their base. <laughs> they made a new Team Rocket Grunt. This guy's buff? Yes. He He's not buff. He got some He's, spandex uh, on? Little chunky. He's he has at least some sort of taxi driver hat on. Uh okay, let's besides talk okay. Mysterious components. During my investigation of these takeovers, I came across these str- strange objects that Team Rocket Go grunts would drop upon being defeated in the battlefield. Am I reading Pokemon fanfic right now? Is that what is this what's happening? Yes. Yes. <laughs> The worlds of fanfic and quote-unquote reality have collided. For the sake of this report, I will refer to them as mysterious components. The exteriors of these objects seem to be made somewhat of metal alloy, and they're cold to the touch. The glass screen radiates a light purple color. I touched one of the objects uh, to see if it would react, but nothing happened. I had a hunch that Team Rocket Grunts were using some sort of device to take over Pokestops and collect resources. Based on what I know so far, the mysterious components I've found seem to be able to serve that purpose. But considering how advanced this technology is, there must be some use for it. I've been working on something in my lab to help the team leaders, and I think we might be able to use these components to track down where Team Rocket is hiding. I will need to continue my research. We will get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I've got the answer for you, Professor Willow. It's an Amazon Kindle Fire, the uh, tablet that nobody ever wanted or asked for, and you can't give it away to your friends. So <laughs> you're just dropping it on the ground and run away because they're like, I finally have an excuse to get rid of this piece of garbage. Skip the uh, second part of this fanfic. Move on to the last part here. A muscular man with a distinct pokey ball beard design approached us. Cliff. His demeanor was just as stern and intimidating as his photo. He was reluctant to battle us and told us to retreat to a surprisingly gentle tone. It was clear that this would only be the kindness he would show us and would not stand down to a challenge. Blanche stood frozen. This is 100% fanfic. 
I've made the decision for both of us not to head back. I was not prepared to face off back at the lab at Blanche. Confirmed my assumptions. It was difficult to determine the best course of action during the encounter with Cliff. Compounded with frustration of the prototype malfunctioning, it was apparent that Blanche, Blanche needed some time to reassess the situation at hand. We need to be cautious, Professor Willow. I'm here for the fanfic. I am not here for the fanfic. <laughs> I make my own reality. Like, I applaud them for doing something, but at the same time, this seems so generic that it's not that interesting. Well, we'll find out when they unlock the secrets of the mysterious Amazon Kindle fire that somebody <laughs> dropped on the ground. Yeah, well, okay, what's the, what's the end game here? Like, the end game is Giovanni shows up, they release Shiny Meowth into the world. I don't know, like, what, what's... No, it'll be something like, it'll be an item that you can purchase or earn doing a research reward or something like that that'll let you alter a Pokestop kind of like a lure in a particular way or something like that. They're like going to say, like they did this imperfect Team Rocket version of altering Pokestops and it's like now you can do something in a perfect way that actually works. I mean, I like the Team Rocket Pokestops because they they are they're like another thing to walk to. Like if you're out and about just playing Pokemon Go casually, maybe walking the dog and you see a Team Rocket Pokestop, you can go like, oh, well, I'm curious of which Pokemon that could be because you don't have them all. Uh, which is what we compared it back to, like, Harry Potter Wizards Unite. They, they, have, more than, they have more than just gyms, and they have more than just Pokestops. Uh, so it makes it a little bit more interesting. So now that we have, like, two different types of Pokestops, I think that is more interesting than just having one different type of Pokestop, which is just spin, get your Pokeballs, get your make three curveballs throws in a row and then move on with life. So I can't, it would be very weird if they just got rid of team rocket Pokestops altogether at this point. Oh yeah. Especially for people like me who haven't finished all that <laughs> dealio. It'd be interesting if they just kind of changed it throughout, throughout the times instead of just having a team rocket one, they could use some of the other villain groups. Yeah. Right? Like Team Magma and Team Team Aqua, eventually Team Yell. That could be a good marketing thing if they want to try that. I agree. Me too. This is off Metro.co.uk. Pokemon Center London cuts opening hours, limits purchases. Thanks to the demand of the opening hours of Pokemon Center London, uh, it has been cut from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on weekdays to 10 a.m. to 10 p to 6 p.m. on Sunday. <laughs> That's because. Even though queue times are currently between four to five hours just to get in, they keep running out of stock. What? Now they're limiting each customer that they can only buy six items from the shop, not including Switch hardware. On top of this restriction, it says that you can only buy one London City Pikachu, the one with the bowler hat, item in person. What that actually means also in this article they have the bowler hat Pikachu on multiple things, but one bowler hat Pikachu item. So if you want the plush and the socks, you can't get both because the socks have the Pikachu on it, which I guess is probably their only like exclusive exclusive there. Because obviously they're going to be like stocking like the plushes that you'd be able to order from like PokemonCenter.com. Like a sitting cutie? Yeah, like a sitting cutie. Hmm. Previously, shop staff have been stopping people from queuing around around uh, queuing at around 2 p.m. So if everything is set back four hours, uh, that seems to mean queuing at all once the store is open is now being ruled out. 
The store's Twitter isn't explicit on at what point, but the best chance for getting in line is to camp overnight. So good luck. <laughs> Wait, I, is this a pop-up store or it is, is a, it just a... It is a pop-up Pokemon Center, uh, oh. so it will it will eventually go away. I think they said they were only going to be open for like three weeks or something like that. Well, it sounds like these changes they're making is not making it any better for anyone because if you're encouraging people now to spend the night or well, to, or maybe not encouraging them, but if that's the best way to get into line is to get there in the early hours and you're not really... Well, what it's doing is later in the day, they're basically saying you cannot stand in line any longer. Right. Right. So, which is probably the mall the day, saying not, that. Yeah, that there's not a line there that they don't want to have. It is Friday, October 18th to Friday, November 15th is the pop up store. It was supposed to be from 10 to 10, but they changed it from 10 to 6 because of stock. I wonder if this is going to be a trend if they're going to be doing like pop up Pokemon centers throughout the world. If yeah, I, mean, I don't. They just, have. I think they've done that before. Have they? Yeah, I don't think it's anything new. Okay, they should come to DC. Wow, I don't. I don't know though. Like they have come to DC. It's called Pokemon Worlds. <laughs> That's well, true. they're not coming back. <laughs> but at the same time, like we we as Americans of the luxury of not waiting in line and just ordering exactly what we need off their website. <laughs> you know that also works in Europe. No, they don't. They don't have PokemonCenter.com there. It only no, ships to the U.S. PokemonCenter.co.uk. That's how they trick you. I don't. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I'm very curious of like what the relationship between Pokemon Center and Amazon is, because even though they've never disclosed it, they are like clearly using Amazon's warehouses. Like, if you were to order something, if I was to order something from Amazon and order something from Pokemon Center, it will have the same shipping address. It comes from the the inner the Kentucky or whatever hub. Let us spare all of our listeners and not get into an in-depth investigation of the concepts of logistics and fulfillment. Okay. Because it is a topic I could discuss. It is a topic that no one wants to hear. <laughs> Unless they're actually employed in logistics and fulfillment. And then I'll just give you my home phone number. We'll have a nice conversation about that. <laughs> Can we talk about the logistics of a rare Pokemon card that sells for almost $200,000? Is it a Charizard? It is not. So if it's not, a, if it's not a Charizard, what else could it be? Pikachu? It is Pikachu, yes. <laughs> is it the first ever Pikachu? It's not. It's actually a card we've talked about a couple times before. Mm-hmm. The auctioning webs, the auctioneering website known as Invaluable. I've actually never heard of this website. Recently, no, me either. And appropriately auctioned off an ultra rare Pikachu Illustrator card. This particular version of the card was graded a nine and labeled near mint condition. Nine out of ten. Um, it sold for a hundred and ninety five thousand dollars USD, and it is the card. Uh, as of writing this, only 39 copies of this Japanese-only card have been seemed to hand it out as part of a competition, and it is unknown today how many of these cards still exist. But this was the card that was given away as part of a Jap- uh, part of a way as an illustrator contest for a Japanese gaming magazine, Korokora, back when the uh, Pokemon TCG first kind of got started. That's just a Pikachu holding like a paintbrush and stuff. 
I'll tell you about uh, trading cards. The cute that card. Are way too expensive. I just spent $400, over $400 on three boxes of Magic the Gathering cards. <sighs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> what happened uh, to your uh, Yu-Gi-Oh phase? Uh, your, uh, the... I have never played Yu-Gi-Oh, sir. How dare. <laughs> uh, Vanguard, that's it. Still have not found a place in Minnesota that plays Vanguard. Possibly sunsetting my Vanguard career. What? What if I told you that there's a new set of Pokemon TCG coming out? I wouldn't be surprised since that happens all the time. Called Cosmic Eclipse. And according to IGN, they've already banned a card from that set. Oh, wow. <laughs> the card in question is called the Island Challenge Amulet, which is a uh, part of the upcoming Cosmic Eclipse set out on November 1st. When the tool card is attached to a Pokemon GX or EX, it lowers the HP by 100 in exchange for giving up one less prize when that Pokemon is knocked out. It might not sound powerful enough to ban, and by itself it's not, but when used in a parter, uh, part of a larger hand description strategy in a dedicated control deck, its result is nasty. Their words, not mine. The combo goes like this. Putting an Island Challenger amulet on Jirachi EX automatically knocks it out because it's 90 HP. After doing this a few times and activating a couple Miss Magiuses, the opponent will have taken several prizes. The next step is to play Lieutenant Surge's strategy to use N to shrink down their hand and then Mars to make them discard a card, leaving them with few or no cards in their hand. Following that up with control decks like Chip Chip Ice Axe, and Hiker to ensure that the opponent only draws dead cards, essentially leaving them unable to make a move. From there, it's easy to quickly end the game as the controlling player repeatedly helps, repeatedly attacks a helpless opponent. The deck is known as Amulet Hand. Ooh, it already has a name. And, the, and can, can end the game before it even gets started by pulling off the combo on first turn, which is why the Pokemon Company has banned it. This deck did win the CL Tokyo Extra Tournament in Japan, uh, but again, they do they do have a, a official expanded tournaments. That that is a thing, although they're not as. Uh, while the Island Challenge Amulet won't be playable in expanded, it will still be legal legal in standard format, where Jirachi EX and a host of other powerful hand disruption disruption cards are no longer legal meaning amulet hand strategy cannot be implemented in standard. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of trading card rules or ban lists or things like that are, a lot of them will base things on, does this take the game away from what it's intended to be? And right, the Pokemon TCG is intended to be set up your Pokemon, attack your opponent with your Pokemon, and take prizes that way. So... If you are creating a situation where it's so distinctly different from that fundamental understanding of what the game is supposed to be, they are going to start banning things. And the expanded format has such a large card pool that you're going to see these situations because you just have these like weird cards that existed at one point that are still valid in that format and people just like missed it and then they're like, oh wait, some... Uh, in, in entrepreneurial 
TCG player remembered, hey, that card exists. And if I put this, 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 and this together, look, I can do this thing that's no longer about one Pokemon attacking another one and taking prizes. Nobody, because it takes away from the fun of the game. There you go. Well, that was the big reason why they changed that rule too, where you can't attack on turn one, because there was, when I first started playing, and this was, this was almost a year before Will started playing, there were, there were matches where you would sit down back when, uh, tor- Tornadus and, and Thunderous were running rampant in, uh, in early, Heck yeah, early, love black, that stuff. early black and white. You would sit down for a game and before you could even play a single card, you would lose. Uh, because your opponent would go first, they would pull a double color, colorless energy, they would attack, they would discard their hand, look for cards that would boost their attack, play those cards and attack you, and you, 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 were, you were done for. <laughs> you lost. Yep. If you, if you only had one Pokemon out, nothing on the bench, they got the donk. The donk. Yeah, no one wants to play a game where you just, they lose before they can even start. Uh, well, there are people that want to play those types of games, but they're not good people. When you were the <laughs> one doing the donk, it was very satisfying. Yes. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah, no. no, it was because you'd be like, all right, well, now I got 40 minutes to, you know, actually, like, sit down, eat. Go get some food. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> I think I've only done the donk once, and I was with Cogs and Commissars. Look, look, William that does not count as the donk in in six-player game. There's no donk in a six-player game. Pretty sure you cheated, too. I did not. I would never. Let's uh, donk ourselves over to a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go through this entire Eurogamer article because there's a lot of interesting stuff about Sword and Shield. Uh, so we will be right back. I like that transition. They dropped the ball in the word splash. There probably could have yeah. been like making a zap, making a beep, 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 making a beep, 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 making beeps, making a beep, 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 making beeps. I mean, beep, 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 beep. That's a, that's a 2018 beep right there. What a beep, 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 We are back from our break, and we have some sword and shield news. Or I guess not news. I guess it's just an interview. But there's some more information here. Uh, this is off Eurogamer. Uh, Game Freaks, uh, Masuda and Omori talk inspiration, surfetch, and pressure from Pokemon fans. This was published on October 24th, and uh, Chris Tapsell, sorry, Chris, butchered your last name, uh, seemed to be the person who did the interview here, staff writer at Eurogamer. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like... I think I'd either be like best friends with this dude or I just absolutely hate him. I can't figure out where <laughs> it's like, it's such a fine line right now with his attitude for the sake. Cause there's there, we're going to probably go through a lot of these questions. How about, uh, will, why don't you read the question? I'll read the answer. And then Brittany will give commentary. <laughs> <sighs> wow. That's so organized. I know. Right. 
The first thing I wanted to ask about is the new Pokemon you've already announced. The likes of Surfetched and Wooloo and Galarian Weezing seem to have gone down especially well this time. Why do you think that is? Amori says, The first thing to say is that we're really happy that fans have taken to these new Pokemon so quickly. It's so hard to say exactly why fans have taken to them so well, but with Surfetched, for example... It might be uh, kind of an unexpected nature of it. So you so no, it's like, oh, we've we never thought we'd see Farfetch change into something like this. So you know fans are really enjoying that. In other ways, you mentioned wheezing, for example. It might be that the way they feel that it matches uh matches this feeling of this kind of UK based environment. So the new image of this Pokemon really matches with that and kind of brings the game to life. So there are different reasons why fans have really taken to them, and we're happy that's the case, and that all the different kinds of efforts the designers put into them creating have been have borne fruit. Creating them have borne fruit. I've never heard that expression. Uh, so to bear fruit means that they you're successful. Mm. You're the, like you you put in the effort and like you you planted the tree and now there's fruit on the tree. Oh, so I see. Like you you put in the work and now you're getting the benefits. From Got it. it. You have born fruit. <laughs> it's just a really it like it's written like a European. See, this is a point against Chris Tamsell. Like, try to be more internationally sensitive in your writing style and don't use weird expressions. Thank you. I mean, it's a UK-based game, so I feel like he's in the right to write this however he wants. <laughs> How he, dare you? He has ownership of this game, <laughs> of this of this region. And I don't know, like, I, I think that's to be expected. I think overall, the Alolan forms were such a huge hit, so it makes sense for, for them to keep moving forward with having regional-based Pokemon. And it's an innovative way to highlight some of our earlier Pokemon and shed new light and just create new love for pokemon that might not have gotten a lot of love in the past i guess yeah well but also as steve has said uh to quote steve surumi right it allows them to create more pokemon without increasing the pokedex number yep and i like that in this case they're also considering doing evolutions as opposed to just just forms like they're taking uh leon leon lanoon lanoon that one and giving it uh an evolution was there i know they showed a lot of pokemon for for sun and moon uh which some fans did not like some fans you know do uh i'm i'm in the camp where if if they were to leak the entire pokedex tomorrow i'd probably look at it i think you forced me to (laughs) but was there like a pokemon in sun and moon that kind of received the standing ovation that like something like wooloo initially did Mm, like cutie fly <laughs> bombi it's not get ahead of ourselves oh, little sweeties uh i want to say m- rock rough but not really no nah just with the kids rock rough's real popular with the kids i mean alolan raichu was pretty cool and so was executor but yeah I think they had the same reaction as wulu oh alolan executor got a lot of yeah it did got a lot of rounds that's for sure <laughs> Mm, I have to think on that one. On Surfetched in particular, it seems like it's based on an old evolution of far- for Farfetched that was in the gold and silver demo that was uncovered. 
Is it based on a canceled design that never made it into a final game? Uh, Omori laughs. It's a completely new design. Really, when we were looking at the UK as a region, uh, we thought this kind of evolution, with it holding its leak like a sword and kind of having a shield design, uh, really fits with the new region when we were designing it. So yes, it is a new design. I don't know if I quite believe that, but sure. Omori. <laughs> I, I I think that you know they've got assets and they're like, why spend money on creating something new when we can just dig this out of the trash bin? Yeah, AKA surfetched straight from the trash bin. <laughs> to be fair, like- though, the person who might have made the gold and silver design may not work there anymore, or may not care about the design anymore, and they had a new artist come in and do their rendition doesn't necessarily mean they're not so basing it off of the original design or at least taking some sort of inspiration from it though yeah i guess but that, I mean, it's so hard to like not look at that right <laughs> yeah can you talk about when that design came about was it one of the first things you wanted to do to have a pokemon with a sword and a shield right straight away uh omori laughs so we've been making these regional forms and there are different th- there's a different thought process that goes into it, but it's definitely one. But one is definitely that we got an existing Pokemon that we'd like to evolve, Obstagoon. Uh, this time around as well, evolving from Linoon. And the designers really look at, that, at them and think, is there a way that we can change this Pokemon and, and evolve it into something else? Another consideration for Farfetch'd... Or sorry, sorry. Another consideration for Surfetch in particular is when you look at leeks in the UK, they're pretty big vegetables. Like they're kind of chunky, big old things. Whereas in Japan, when you associate the word leek, it kind of crosses over with the spring onion a bit. But you think of these small, thin ones. So the difference in what looks like in Japan and what looks like here is kind of the inspiration of why the leak that is held by Surfetch is so much bigger than the one held by a normal Farfetch. I love that they go into regional variations of vegetables. <laughs> but is, is a leak, this is my thought on this one, is a leak related to a spring onion? What Are they from the same a chair, family? A chair. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is different because we do have taxonomy. It's a real thing. Yes. So... Are leeks and spring onions from the same like genus family. or family? Or you know more about biology than I do. But I certainly hope you know more about biology than I do, <laughs> as I studied no science in college, and I believe you studied science oh, in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I cannot answer that question because I am not versed in vegetable uh, taxonomy, but I would not be surprised if, at the very least, they're in the same family. Um, well, maybe not at, the same geni- genus, um, but I could definitely see them possibly being the same family. Well, here's something that I learned in college, which is amazing because you're much younger than me. <laughs> but there's this thing called the internet that has a website called Spoon University, SpoonUniversity.com. <laughs> ah, my favorite site. <laughs> With an article called, Here's the Difference Between Scallions and Leeks. And scallions are spring onions. They are. Leeks are in the same onion species as scallions, but they have a different taste and size. They're bigger than scallions, and they also have a mild onion-like flavor. 
It also has a slightly garlic leaf galarian flavor. Galarian flavor. But when you cook it, that garlicky flavor mellows out. Leeks are never usually the main star of a dish, but there's so many ways you can prepare this vegetable so it shines bright in the dish. Just remember, if you replace leek with scallion in a recipe, it probably won't turn out as good because as you've just read, they don't really taste the same. However, don't go buying leeks now because they might be expensive. Instead, buy them when they're in season, a.k.a. in October. It's leek season, folks. <laughs> but it wow. doesn't mention anything about Galarian leeks. A leek is a leek, dude. There's no... A leek is oh, a on. leek. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down that road. Uh, next question. Okay, last question about Surfetched. I promise. Are you going to have an equivalent that's exclusive to Pokemon Shield, like Surfetched is for Sword? They both laugh. Amori says, so there's things we haven't announced yet that as far as we can go, but there are, of course, regional differences, and certain ones are awaiting you to discover them in Pokemon Shield. So we hope you look forward to that. Uh, note, this is an editor note, that this is most likely Galarian Ponyta. Revealed uh, as S.H.I.E.L.D. exclusives after this interview. And then Masuda chimes in and says, Please enjoy catching lots of Surfetched and trading them with players from Pokemon S.H.I.E.L.D. So, like, Surfetched has a lance. It's not a sword, right? I think they use the word sword in here. Yeah, it is a lance, but is this another point against Chris? I don't know. I mean, maybe he uses that as a sword. It looks like a lance. I mm. And also, it's like if they were trying to do like, oh, this Pokemon has a sword and that Pokemon has a shield and they're going to be exclusive, uh, version exclusive, why does Surfetch also have a shield as well? Like he ha- Surfetch has both a sword and a shield. So it does, if anything, it doesn't really make sense that it's a version exclusive that they were going to go along with the theme unless they have also another Pokemon that also has a sword and a shield, but it's some some different Pokemon. Scavalier? <laughs> oh, a Scavalier is so good. I've got to remember to get a shiny one of those. <laughs> well, I would assume that a Scavalier is probably exclusive to... There was that 30-second trailer. I guess we could talk about that now. Uh, that showed some new Pokemon that we haven't seen before, like Shuckle. So Shuckle is confirmed. There's there, there's a list of Pokemon on Serebii and Bulbapedia of all the Pokemon being in Sword and Shield. I don't have it in front of me right now, but would Asalgor be in... Would you assume Asalgor is in the game if Escavalier is in the game? Because they have to, well, like... Well, they cross-evolve, they, yeah. so... <laughs> now, here's the real quiz. What are the uh, the previous forms of each one? Carablast evolves into Escavalier, and Shelmet evolves into Asalgor, right? There you go. I would assume if... If 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 they needed another shield and lance Pokemon, Surfetch is in Sword and the Scavalier is in Shield. No. <laughs> is there going to be a Galarian version of Scavalier then? No. It's already a knight <laughs> in armor. How do you go about researching a region like the UK for games like Sword and Shield? Do you base it on your idea of what a place is like, or do you research it in depth? Morty says, when we are designing a region, the first thing we have is actually a kind of theme in the game. So this time around, it was strength and making the strongest Pokemon game 
And when I was thinking about this, I associated the word strength and the UK came to mind. That's why we decided to take that direction. But of course, when you're making a region based off somewhere, once you've decided, uh, once you've made that decision, you, uh, then you actually have to understand what the place is like. So we did actually come over here, investigate a lot of different places, visit the actual locations and what we wanted, what wanted to kind of implement, looked at a lot of different places and decided, well, this place would be something uh, we wanted to design an area based off of. So yeah, a lot of research goes in rather than just loosely thinking about an area. I feel like what I immediately started imagining about this this comment is just Omori and Masuda just prancing or like skipping along somewhere in the UK. And also- what? <laughs> They just watched Harry Potter and Holding was like, all right, we skipping. got it. We got it. <laughs> and I'm also wondering, do they actually go themselves or do they hire staff or have their staff below them just go and take pictures for them? Well, I, I know like before X and Y, Masuda was going to France all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are okay. a lot of pictures of Masuda in in the UK. That's why there was a lot of speculation leading up that this mm. was going to be uk bound um i mean they don't say it here i'm surprised they didn't but why don't you just say that like your art director <laughs> the person in charge of the direction of the art of this game is from the uk <laughs> are they they, they want to take yeah. their credit james for james turner is the <laughs> only non-japanese person to be able to make and design pokemon and he is the art director I thought he for was american no he's you he's from the uk oh ukanian you he's galarian all right well <laughs> that's disappointing i always thought he was american no he's not all right there are some features in sword and shield that seem to be inspired by pokemon go the raids the co-op element carrying a smartphone with you will there be any pokemon go integration like there was with let's go i'll reserve my commentary for a moment Amori, I actually like that Amori is answering all these questions because I feel like Masuda always steps in. Uh, but Amori says, in Pokemon Sword and Shield, there's no direct communication with Pokemon Go. Uh, but you have seen the announcement for Pokemon Home where, where there are plans to be able to send Pokemon from Go, take them around with you. So that is something we do have. So my issue here is... Carrying a smartphone with you has been part of Pokemon games since the very <laughs> beginning. That's what the Pokedex is. Uh, they also <laughs> technically had like an Apple Watch in Johto. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Is this why you don't like Chris? Well, I'm just like, I, I want to be friends with him, but I want him to make better life decisions. Too. I think sometimes you have to ask, you have the to like, like weed your way into asking certain questions. Like if you were to, if you were to what? be like, hey, I, I guess I guess as a journalist you could just be like, hey, does this game have Pokemon Go integration? But they did say like because of these three things: raids, co-op, smartphone. Those are very Pokemon Go things. I don't know. I'm trying to defend Chris here. <laughs> I mean, his next question is kind of building off of that too. So it it, it does look like he has. Yeah, he he does a setup here. <laughs> All right, along those lines, how do you manage the balancing of all the different fan bases of Pokemon? There are people who watch the anime who got into Pokemon via Pokemon Go or mobile games like Masters. I don't think those people exist. <laughs> who first started years ago with Red and Blue or who just started playing. Are you still trying to cater to all of them in the main handheld games, Pokemon Sword and Shield, or are you now trying to separate them out? To really make the new games something that each fan 
regardless of where they entered the series, can e uh, can access easily. We do make sure we explain what Pokemon is, the world of Pokemon, right at the start each time. You get the explanation of what a, the Pokemon world is about. You get the explanation each time how to throw a ball, how to catch a Pokemon. So we make sure regardless of how many fans we have in each type of game, each new entry is something for any fan or someone completely new to the series can even jump in and enjoy from the start. Masuda then goes on and says, what we really want to do, whether somebody has played Pokemon Go or Pokemon Masters and, now, and has now been interested in playing Pokemon Sword and Shield or perhaps the other way around, where they start playing Pokemon Sword and Shield on their Switch and from that look into playing Pokemon Masters or Go is to encourage people to discover Pokemon as a whole and enjoy all the different aspects of that. So I, I, I see like the point of trying to be inclusive of everyone and, and making sure there are explanations and tutorials for everyone. But why not just make them optional? Like, I think, that, well, I I think like what that we've heard just... is that they did. Actually, yeah, the catching is optional this time around. Yes, but they don't mention that here, like in in this comment, which is very surprising. Like, why not highlight that? <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris doesn't mention this, but also I think this interview was like slightly before yeah. they confirmed. Um, you can skip the t catching tutorial. Yes, yeah. but it's not like a huge like it's not a new Pokemon. Like, why? Yeah, why are they hiding I, it? I don't now? know. I totally understand like so I did I did the uh I did the great thing <laughs> of playing Pokemon Conquest this weekend. <laughs> came out June of 2012, which is funny cuz the 3DS came out in uh March of 2011 and Pokemon Conquest is a DS game. Uh not a 3DS game, but that's fine because it is a different way to play a Pokemon game. There are different rules in that universe it's a different style of game and there's a lot of hand holding at the beginning and me as a garbage video game player that i am i did the thing of i know this sure makes sense a a a a a oh wait 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 what did you say uh well it doesn't matter i hit a too many times that's all right and <laughs> maybe two hours in the game i'm like did they explain this and when you're streaming on <laughs> twitch and you have people watching you and they go yeah you dummy <laughs> Like, yeah, they I've been saying this to you for years. They explained it multiple times. It's very easy, and I'm not. I'm not saying like not skipping tutorials is a thing that they shouldn't do because obviously it seems like at least with the catching thing we talked about this last week, where if you catch Pokemon before they introduce the catching tutorial, they acknowledge that it's they they and they say you've already done this so we don't need to teach it to you which is a, a really good way i think of getting past the tutorial i guess where i'm coming from though is that it can be definitely super discouraging to players if they did skip something if my twitch chat didn't tell me that i could do xyz in pokemon conquest i probably would have dropped that game sooner because the things they told me and the things i skipped over and this was my fault but there are plenty of players like this. I'm just admitting it. If you skip features like that, it can make the game less enjoyable for you. So I think there is a sense of responsibility for people who are 
pouring years into a video game to make sure that their player base is understanding what they want you to understand because they know if if you do understand that fully, you will enjoy the game more. And this is also coming from a perspective of me playing Temtem, which is a complete ripoff, whether you whether that's good or bad, but it is literally a Pokemon game that has not Pokemon in it. It has Temtems, which are like Pokemon. Uh, and that game has like I, I talked about this game before. It's a game that's like in beta, and I'm not I'm not here to say whether it's good or bad. I'm just saying that I went into that game, walked to the professor. They have the three starters. Say goodbye to mom. Battle the rival. Go out into the grass. Get taught how to catch that kind of stuff. And that game did the complete opposite of Pokemon, and it felt almost red and blue of like we're not going to teach you anything. And even though I knew how to play Pokemon because I've been playing Pokemon for twenty plus years. Uh, it was frustrating because things I expected, uh, there was nowhere I could go in the game to get those explanations. And if there were, I just didn't know where to get that kind of stuff of like, okay, um, I guess this type is weak against this type or like, what does this move do? And I think for a lot of time, just poke a lot of the times Pokemon fans just take that for granted because we've been playing for so long. So yeah, it would be definitely nice if there were things that we've like the catching that we've done a million times <laughs> before. But also, I, I I just I think of like a new person that is playing Pokemon for the first time. Oh, I don't need to ex- get explained how to use a Z move, and then they go through the whole game without using a Z move and being like, well, or being like, well, I didn't know I didn't know I could do that. Like that was a whole feature of the game I missed out on. I think like one cool thing that they could try to consider is still having at least access to these tutorials. Just like if you wanted to do a Z move, but didn't want to have to go through the whole cutscene of learning a Z move. Yeah, maybe that's just kinda... kind of highlight that and then have it somewhere in like the menu as a tutorial that you can access later on. That is exactly what Monster Hunter does. It yeah. says like, okay, if you look over here, here's all the tutorials on how to do everything. But if you know what you're doing, go right ahead. Go kill something. Yeah. <laughs> Pokemon's slowly getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm curious in the Monster Hunter sense. This probably only makes sense for people who play Monster Hunter. I skipped every one of those tutorials because I do know how to play Monster Hunter. But I wonder, like, if they know. I'm sure they do. I wonder if they know how many people skipped it and then, like, later went back. Because there are, there are definitely multiple types of video game players. There are people like me who skip a lot of stuff because we think we know everything. And there are probably some players that read everything... But I That's wonder me. I wonder what the like split is of a player who skips something and then like goes back to like research it or do they just like skip it and then they never go back and they never discover that. Like I could, I went through with Iceborne. I went through probably the first 10 hours, maybe even more without using the clutch claw. I knew the clutch claw was in the game. I've seen the clutch i saw other players use the clutch claw i remember them talking about the clutch claw i was very aware of this tool that was part of iceborne but i was i don't remember the button combination to do clutch claw and then i never went back to see the video and i'm sure the video is like hold these two buttons to do it i did discover it eventually by accident like 10 hours in but i'm curious like uh, what this like how many people 
just accept that they didn't learn something and continue on with the game and how many people realize that they're missing something and they go to try to like reset. I'm I'm just curious what that split is. I have no idea. And if you miss it in Pokemon, there you can't really go back and ask, can you? Yeah. Well, like you could always get the catch tutorial in like red and blue, right? Like that. Old... There's also people who make played through YouTube That's vids, true. so you can true. just go back and watch those. Yeah, but yeah. you should like. <sighs> you should. That involves leaving the game to, to right. figure it out how to do it. That's why I always hated the 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 type chart stuff. Like I shouldn't have to have, and hopefully Sword and Shield has this. I guess we don't know, but in in Sun and Moon, where it was like, oh, Crunch is super effective against the Slowbro. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. But to have like a computer screen up with a 16 by 16 type chart to be like, okay, well, this is a water Pokemon and this move is electric. Let me see if that lines up. Okay, it does. Okay. Like, that's not. Make your game more convenient. More convenient. (laughs) I want more convenience in my video gaming. Yes. Please and thank (laughs) you. All right. There's a lot of questions to get through here. Do you feel like it's quite difficult to please everyone? With things like the Pokedex issue recently, or some people wanting either a more difficult or more welcoming experience, is there a difficulty or a pressure there? Ooh, I feel like we just talked about this. Amore says, yeah, there's definitely a level of pressure when you're making a game, but it doesn't make developing a game feel stressful or anything like that. At the end of the day, it's something that we love doing and it's really fun to do. But we definitely really want to answer all the wishes for our Pokemon fan, po- our fans and to live up to their expectations which is something that is quite challenging. So in that sense, yeah, there's definitely a pressure. But we also, within ourselves, always try to strive to make the best game. And we really deliver something that we are proud of that we feel that fans are going to enjoy. So yeah, there's a fun and a pressure in there. (laughs) There's a fun and a pressure in there is a heck of a sentence. (laughs) That's probably a bad translation. Yeah, it is. But I mean, we also have to keep in mind, like, these games are designed for kids. No, they're not. <laughs> I don't... I hate that. They're not designed for kids. They're designed for everybody. Well, they are, but... Okay, but they have to be accessible for children, right? Yeah, but so does like, Mario mm-hmm. and Zelda. Like, those oh, games no. also... Like, like I played a Zelda game when I was six years old, and I was able to get through it. Like, the, at no point has Nintendo ever marketed Zelda or a Mario game to, like, specifically like adults. But 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 also I think the people who are asking for a more difficult game want it to be an adult game. Mm-hmm. Right? Where it does it is excludes children because it's going to be too difficult for children to be able to enjoy and to be successful at. That's that's what I'm saying. But the but the story so like the story of Pokemon games have never been particularly hard. And you could argue the same about, like, Super Mario 64 or Mario Galaxy. Like, you can get through either of those games. I don't know why those are the two games I've used as an example. Yeah, I can't get through Mario Galaxy. Relatively Mm. easily. But that doesn't mean that there are not levels in that game that are harder. And there are hard things in Pokemon games. Like, the battle tree is pretty hard. The battle subway in black and white, pretty hard. There are at least two master trainers in Let's Go Pikachu that Let's Go Eevee that are pretty difficult, and they are extremely easy if you were to like look up the move set. But that's also like looking up the answer to a 
like a, a crossword puzzle, right? Like, once you know the moveset, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. But, like, there are so many ways to make video games easier for you. But there, that doesn't mean there's not hard things in Pokemon games. But if their main goal is to tell a story for you to see credits, like, Alternate Necrozma is hard. This is true. And a lot of the trials were harder than a lot of gym leaders. But I, I just, I hate the mindset, like, this like Pokemon games are for kids because they're definitely not like you're you're are you telling me like this is the same company that is is like hey put a ditto with four IVs in here put a, a destiny knot on it okay now put this Pokemon with this ability here with an Everstone now breed it now take it into the cave now knock out this Diglett 32 times now you've maxed out the EVs now get it to level 100 now give it this bottle cap that you had to fish for now go eat yeah, dinner with Nanu to get that's well that's, that's what I'm saying like there are like that is not for a child no you're correct there but I also don't think the people who are asking for the games to be more difficult are the people who also invest in post game stuff very I think there's a very little crossover in that as well I think it's kind of interesting that Pokemon fans in particular are all very like vocal about this issue, but I, I, I'm not really aware of like Mario fans or Zelda fans asking for adult games. Like everyone loves Mario Kart. Everyone loves Smash Brothers. Well, because those games don't have a story. And I think that's the real problem. <laughs> well, Mario games and Zelda games have a story. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Breath of the Wild has the, the DLC, Breath of the Wild which I would say is a pretty easy game. There are, what, like 120 shrines. I think I did like 70 of them. I think I walked away from two shrines where I was like, I don't want to do, like, like this is like, I don't want to do this. There are more, there are other shrines I can do. But I, but they did have DLC, which was the master trainer stuff. And there was that one island where you get on the island and you're naked and you got to get a stick and then you got to turn the stick into a shield and then you got to <laughs> get the bombs and... If you die, you got to do the whole island. Like, there are definitely hard things in that game, but I think there was a outcry of, like, Skyward Sword being way too easy. If there was, like, an outcry of, like, Mario games being too hard or too easy. I, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll find the Mario. Well, there's probably a Mario podcast out there. <laughs> hmm. There's a podcast for everything these days. All right, we got to get more questions or we're never going to get through this. Okay. All right. Has some, of the ne- has some of that negative feedback on the Pokedex, which I'm sorry to dwell on, had much of an impact on morale at Game Freak? I know you've mentioned that you're personally disappointed to not be able to include all of the Pokemon. Did the team feel saddened by the reaction at all? Masuda says, of course, you know, you see these sort of negative comments and it does, as a developer, make you feel a bit down about certain things. But at the same time, you have to take criticism. For example, with Pokemon Let's Go, early on we were getting a lot of comments that it was too easy. Or it was kind of a bit too kid focus and that sort of thing. Uh, These sort of comments you see, you take on a board, you take on board... And you really try and base improvements in the next game on the feedback that you've received in the last one. So with regards to the Pokedex issue in particular that you mentioned, that was something that was a really hard decision for us internally. There was a lot of discussion about the direction we should take and ultimately felt for for the overall game, focusing on creating the richest experience we could within that game, leaving the Pokedex as we did was the best solution overall. 
feel like this whole issue with the the Pokédex is just like so over talked about at this point. So yes, of course they're gonna be upset that their fans are 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 this upset, but they're developers and they're trying to make the game as good quality as as the best quality that they can. So it was a hard decision, and of course it. Well, it's- I also think what he's trying to say is. Um- that they actually didn't feel too bad because they already <laughs> thought about, like they thought about it so much. They were like, we knew this was the only decision we could make. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, and ultimately we felt that for the overall game, focusing on creating the richest experience we could leaving the Pokedex as we did was the best solution. So they're not like, we're not going to get bummed out about it because we actually did think about this a lot and that's the best that we could do. We don't know what Pokemon home is, which they say will be, more than what Pokemon Bank has ever offered. I mean, that's not hard to do. What is this? The like the fifth time in the f- like fifth or sixth interview where they're like, "Yeah, we're still not going back on this decision." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, fine if they're confident, if they ultimately feel that these will make their games better, and Pokemon Home is that solution or that compromise, fine. Although, in one hand. It is nice for them to say, we have read these comments. We do see that stuff. Uh, And specifically, they mentioned for Let's Go that people thought it was too easy or too kid-focused. And they're taking that into consideration. I just don't see how, like, most of the fans could have eventually saw this coming. Like, it just gets to the point where there's just too much content and you have to start rotating things in and out. Like, every... Like app games do this all the time. If like Animal Crossing Pocket Camp has millions of cookies, I feel like at this point with different clothes and and stuff to get out of cookies, and they just have to keep rotating things out because they can't just have everything available all at once all the time. It seems like Team Yell may be based a little on certain rowdy fans that we can have in video games. Are they a reference to some of the louder parts of community, or is it just based on something like football hooligans here in the UK? Amore says, so this time around, Pokemon Sword and Shield, there is this kind of sports atmosphere that really takes a large role. And within sports, all sports fans, and some of those fans go overboard, and that's something we've considered when designing them. We also have this character called Marnie, and perhaps this is something a bit more Japanese-specific, but... You often have idols who have their really hardcore fans follow them around everywhere, and that's sort of an overzealous fan. That sort of overzealous fan is something that this Team Yell has been based on. So we really look, so that's where we really uh, took the inspiration from. I just love that they're mixing different cultural like influences. Uh, that, didn't pan yes. out, that didn't pan out for Sun and Moon. <laughs> no. <laughs> At least trying to. Yeah, uh, how the, creepy the, is idol culture in Japan? You. Yeah, I thought yeah, idol culture creepy. was way uh, going back to like if you don't know, Team Skull is based off like Korean b boys. Um, but I thought idol culture was also bigger in Korea than it is in Japan. Uh, it may be a reflection of Japanese idol culture. I think idol culture in Japan has been a, pretty much this what what they're describing here very much. Yes, I think the closest thing to like idol culture in the U.S. has been also like boy bands, like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. In a way, but like people following them around all the time? Come on. Ugh, <laughs> that's what bodyguards are for. 
but it's like i understand like in i think korea it's it's an even more extreme idol culture because like from what i understand it's like you can't be seen to be dating anybody yes. because then you're not gonna, you're going to lose your fans and all that kind of stuff which i'm yeah, it's I don't a, know. Uh, big, Maybe it's the same in Japan. <laughs> the two biggest, or I, I don't know if they're the two biggest, but on one end you have BTS, which Irene is probably, Irene doesn't listen to the show, but she'd probably like lose her mind if she knew I'd brought up her favorite band on <laughs> the podcast, but. She B- is a BTS super fan. This she, is true. She is a BTS super fan. So, uh, and I've, I've heard, I, I I fell asleep to BTS and woke up to BTS this morning because uh, there was some concert last night that Irene was watching. Anyways, I have known because she loves BTS so much that the 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 boys, the crew, the squad, uh, they are not ever to reveal if they are in relationships at all. Ever, it's a huge no no. Um, that's like one of the things they have to hide. On the other. And uh, I believe Twice is also Korean. They're like the female version of BTS, I guess is what some people would say. But again, completely zero tolerance. You are not allowed to know if they are dating anyone or have any sort of relationships ever at all, which is like very interesting. But now I can't like remember something simpler like in sync i can't ever remember if like any of those people like if any of those boys were in a relationship at any point uh, in NSYNC. i do believe justin and Brittany were dating at oh one point, yeah so. thank you oh yeah i do remember that Brittany, what's it like to date justin timberlake <laughs> tell me he's so cute Brittany speared is for our audience oh <laughs> i completely forgot about that that is interesting because I feel like it's almost the opposite sometimes. Like you have two different celebrities who are pretending to be dating each other just to, I guess, get highlighted more in the news. I don't know. Like that's, I feel like, a thing that happens here. Oh, yeah. So that is interesting that it's uh, kind of the opposite in Korea and Japan. You mentioned Let's Go and a few comments about difficulty, but you also mentioned a while back that if it was really popular, you'd consider doing other Let's Go style games based on others in the series. It seemed like it went down pretty well to me in the end. So are you planning on doing more like that? Carrying on a Let's Go series alongside a main one? Only two questions ago, you said that these games are too easy and too kid. Now we have a group of audience saying, we want more. (laughs) Okay, so Masuda says, so at the moment there are no particular plans, but if fans really liked it, then definitely keep those voices coming out to the Pokemon Company and Nintendo, and we will make sure we hear them. Laughs. We want to hear those comments. Okay, so even though I haven't finished Let's Go with Pikachu or Eevee, I... Um, I, I am Is it because they didn't the teach you how to throw a Pokeball, Brittany? <laughs> Is that yes. why? I never knew how to finish the game, that's why. But I am I am not opposed to seeing more Let's Go series. I really like just going revisiting well done games with our Pokemon running around in the overworld. So let's go Pichu and Tokyo no. I'm here for. I'm not so here even for either it took of me those two Pokemon. <laughs> To finish those games, I would also like to see more in that series. I think that was, it's just the, the way that they're presented. It's a lot of fun. Okay, but what, really makes, what makes those games different now at this point? Which I think is like something that I'm sure 
Game Freak is struggling with because prior to Sword and Shield, a lot of people argued that Let's Go was not a main series game. Uh, there are still people who argue that, which is like, whatever. Uh, there's a reason for that, uh, and I don't know if we need to go on why people are insistent to saying that it's not main series, but prior to Sword and Shield, you could say, like, this game is different because of the catching, this game is different because Pokemon appear in the wild, um, this game is different because uh, your your box is always with you. Now, to this point, like, with Sword and Shield, like, there are Pokemon walking around in the wild. Your box is with you in the wild area. You, I, I guess you could say, like, it, it's not a main series because there are no abilities or held items, but also, like, red and blue say hi. Like, what makes them actually different besides just the catching and is one thing drastically different enough? Because every Pokemon game does have something pretty unique to it. Like, is Sun and Moon not a main series because it doesn't have contest? Is Black and White not a main series because it doesn't have ribbons you know what i mean like at what like what makes it if they were to do another let's go what makes it let's go is it specifically just the catching was that the thing that they do bring back or they do keep away you know what i mean like it's kind of a very complicated question at this point it's complicated for you because you overthink things (laughs) oh okay (laughs) my bad (laughs) kitty style animation the catching mechanic like that, a lot of deep integration with the Pokeball Plus, having a partner Pokemon that becomes your HM slave, uh, <laughs> Pokemon that follow you as you walk around, and an extremely limited Pokedex. Okay, so Sword Shield has a limited Pokedex. Heartgold Soul Silver. Extremely limited Pokedex. Soul Silver has Pokemon following around. <laughs> Gen 4 has B <laughs> None of these have integration with the Poke- Pokeball Plus. Uh, Sword and Shield as has integration a, with Pokeball Plus. As a play mechanic. You cannot play Sword and Shield with the Pokeball Plus. You can't, but you're, you're going to say that they're going to just keep this specific controller around forever when you could argue that, like, all, like uh, HeartGold SoulSilver has... The money I spent for that thing, they better keep it around forever. Uh, HeartGold SoulSilver <laughs> had their own Pokeball item that used, like, that... That in itself was extremely unique to that game and gave you exclusive Pokemon. Like, you could get Balloon Pikachu and Surf Pikachu off of that Pokewalker. Yeah, overthinking things. (laughs) No, just being well aware that, like, people (laughs) have these weird expectations for what they consider it without kind of thinking all the things that Pokemon have gone through over the years. That's true also. Lastly, you've, this is not the last question, strangely, Chris. <laughs> Lastly, you've got some new features that are first for the series. Things like autosave, open world elements, and co-op PVE element. That's really poorly written. Do you expect... That's a misspelling. Do you expect that trend towards Spack. these kinds of... <laughs> that's what he wrote. That is not the <laughs> word that he meant. Do you, do you expect that trend? Let me start though over again. Lastly, you've got some new features that are first for the series. Things like autosave, open world elements, and co-op PVE element. Do you expect that trend towards these kinds of quite modern design elements to continue? 
Uh, Omori says, really what we want to do with this kind of thing is first look at how Pokemon Sword and Shield are received. See what features people enjoy and are well praised and then go forward in the future. There are obvious other games doing different things that we like. We basically just want to look at what does well and what we can improve based on the kind of feedback we receive for Sword and Shield. And I think about and think about what we want to put into future games, which is like the most probably the most generic answer in this whole thing. I think so, too. I also like new features that are first to the series. This is just what Steve just said. Every game has new features that are first to the series. <laughs> and then they take some of them out and they keep some of them. And yeah. it's a hushy bushy swishy swashy. You know, it's like. They did say in another interview that the reason they couldn't bring back other features or because certain games lacked features because they were so focused on making sure every Pokemon was in it and every Pokemon worked and every Pokemon had its things. Yeah, well, there you go. Can't have contests anymore. Yeah, but what if contests were better? Uh, let's not go down this road. <laughs> Can you highlight any particular games that were inspirations for Sword and Shield? Were there any outside of Sword and Shield that inspired certain decisions in particular? Omori laughs. So myself, I am a big fan and played a lot of both Nintendo games and also games on other platforms. Oh, thanks, Omori. I played a lot of Nintendo games and games on other platforms. Will not state a single one. Thank you. So, you know, it's very possible that whilst playing all of these other games, something has a kind of inspired me to directly, indirectly to add those to the Pokemon world. But really, when designing new features on a professional level, it is really kind of looking at what sort of aspects in games are popular, what works well in the current world. Because it changes over time, obviously. Really looking at seeing what fits with our general design ideals and seeing what we can improve on as our games as we go end of article I, I it's nice that they they at least verbally say that they're self-aware that things can be modernized in games and change over time a good example of that would be like sprinting in shooters is there something in pokemon games that bothers bothers you too like for me it is the grind like i just don't think i don't think leveling is particularly fun and i don't think that makes the game harder to be like oh i'm five levels under the gym leader i guess i gotta go battle some furfrous boy glad this game is hard gotta gotta knock out those furfrous whoo i'm glad this is here this is a lot of fun woof, woof, no, woof, woof, for woof. me i feel like the the natural progression of leveling in Pokemon games in the story portion is sufficient that you're always ready for the gyms. So that has never really bothered me. Now, the only thing it's like that it's the the thing that bothers me in in Pokemon games is just that it's still so on rails for the story and it's just it's 2019. We don't do that anymore. And yet they still do. And like that, I'd like to like see more progression away from that and more towards like a, a Skyrim or something like that, where it's a bit more open and you kind of create your own story as you go. They should be able to do that in a Pokemon franchise. I kind of agree with Will. Like if I'm just playing the game just to go through the, I guess the first playthrough, I definitely don't need to worry about too much of a grind to, to be the next gym leader. I could see it maybe if I'm doing a Nuzlocke or something like that, then there is a bit of a grind because I'm being a little bit more strategic, I think, with not letting my Pokemons die. Um, 
But I, I don't do nuzlocks, so I've I have a bad habit of starting things and not finishing one or finishing them. So I I've started a nuzlocke, but I haven't finished. So wait, it yet. Uh, why why didn't either of you finish? Let's go. Was it because it was too easy? Because I it was too grindy? Let's go. Was I it because? It just yesterday morning. <laughs> yeah, but like, what 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 took so long? Like, uh, honest question. I'm not trying to be like rude or anything. Uh, I'm just very curious. Just, like, what what made you put it down? Monster Hunter. Yeah, I just get distracted <laughs> by other things. <laughs> like so either... ultimately because other games were more compelling. Not necessarily, but if, if I felt like other people were playing a lot of Monster Hunter and I felt like I was uh, had a fear of missing out, if you will, then I would maybe switch over. And since it took forever for me to f- finish Let's Go, I'm just kind of playing that on my own. So it's, I guess, not as initially exciting as being able to play Hollow Knight and discuss that with Kelly or other, the other slackers, I guess. Got it. Although I do like story. I, I agree that I, I love Breath of the Wild for the fact that you can kind of just do your own thing and there is a story component if you're looking for that. So I, w- I would not mind definitely seeing that if Sword and Shield is trying to move a little bit more in that direction. That's a good interview. That was fine. Yeah, I think so. It's a, a bit more open than they've been in the past. Yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, let's do our question of the week here. Uh, no Greg for for Shiptune. Do we, do we make Brittany do a little jingle? <laughs> there you go. I think that's the way we go. Oh, no. I've had complaints about my singing recently, so <laughs> I'm staying silent. Okay. Well, I did prepare something just in case, so I apologize. <laughs> It's not always black and white, but your heart always knows what's right. Except when there's a right or wrong answer for question of the week. Dang, I'm, I, I got I got tears of joy rolling down my face right now. I actually smiled. It's like the the wrinkles in my face cracked the other way. How yes. amazing! I love it. <laughs> Greg, I'm sorry you can't come back anymore. You just, you've just been surpassed. No, Greg, I love you. <laughs> uh, this question is from Brandon from our Addict channel in Slack. With Sword and Shield on the horizon, the beginning of a new generation is a great opportunity for a lot of people to get into Pokemon and its multiple forms. But it can also be difficult to get people past the initial learning curve of getting into Pokemon. What do you guys think is the best way to help people into Pokemon and how to do it? For example, recently I got Let's Go Eevee to play with my girlfriend who has never played a Pokemon video game before and a lot of the beginning sections dragged and she frequently didn't know what was going on or a certain why things were happening. It wasn't, it, it wasn't until we were able to catch Pokemon that she enjoyed swinging the Joy-Con and finding a bunch of new Pokemon. So now I try to help her get through the story as fast as possible to get to the new routes so we can laugh and catch Pokemon. Uh, the new Pokemon like Weepin' Bell, which she says looks like a fish. <laughs> so instead, they should make a game where you're on an island and the first island should take you throughout the entire island in a circle. And then it should take you to like a trainer school and then to a city and then to like a trial and then to like a grand trial. And then it should get back to the start of the city where you get on a boat and you go to a different island. And by that point in the game, I think really trainers would understand what's going on in the Pokemon world. They should do really? that. They should do that. Really? All right. So I have a fundamental 
problem with the nature of this question. Because <laughs> from my point of view, this is, this is a stance that I take in life. Adults are adults. Adults like what they like. I have friends who like Pokemon. I'm happy to be with my friends who like Pokemon. It is not my job to convince somebody who at this point in their life has not realized that they like Pokemon to try to get them to like Pokemon. Folks, it's been around for 20-something years. It's in, it's in the cultural zeitgeist. People either like it or they don't. Um, That's for them to make. It's, it's, nobody can say unless they're like from some, I don't know, like just completely raised on an Amish barn and had no exposure. But even Amish people read the news. You know, I just... I think sometimes, though, like, man, this goes back to earlier. This is all full circle. Uh, this goes back to earlier of, like, knowing how to do something, though. Uh, and I can, I guess, give another example of I started collecting ribbons in Pokemon. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've, look, my life is a mess. Uh, I, 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 I've caught a lot of Pokemon <laughs> in the last... <laughs> Last the majority of my life, and uh, when you catch, you know, eight hundred some Pokemon, you run out of things to catch, and maybe maybe you spend several hours looking for a slightly different colored Pokemon, and then you go, but I need more things to collect, and then the heavens rain upon you, and they go ribbons. <laughs> so you know, you spend sometimes up to eight hours getting a shiny Pokemon, and Sometimes it only takes like 15 minutes to put a ribbon on that bad boy. Uh, and so I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time walking around Alola. I believe there are seven ribbons in that game that you could collect per Pokemon. And there have been countless people that have come to me and say like they have never heard of ribbons prior to watching my streams. They never knew ribbons were a thing they never knew that 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 was another they never knew that they've existed since gen 3 and now all of a sudden they need nothing but ribbons in their life so sometimes it's just and this goes back to earlier the game doesn't do a good job of telling you about ribbons or showing you how to get ribbons you kind of just magically stumble upon them like even when you beat the elite four in in sun and moon you get a ribbon on your pokemon uh, but they don't tell you. They don't point it out ever. They don't bring it up. Or maybe they do. I just maybe I maybe I skipped through it. But I know definitely when you beat the Elite Four and you end up at home, they, your mom doesn't go, "Hey, look at these shiny ribbons on your Charizard that you get." Like she doesn't say that. They're just something you kind of discover. So to go with like Brandon's question, like is that a flaw of let's go for not being a little bit more handholdy like it doesn't really tell you what to do and if you skip through you probably don't know you should get the parcel from the poke mart and bring it back down like if you kind of didn't pay attention you might not actually know that that's the thing you need to do well but see the coming back from my perspective it's like the it's a it's a tiered thing right first he's trying to convince somebody who didn't pick up pokemon already that they should be playing pokemon because if you're in a relationship, you have to do everything the same together. Oh, let me not critique people's relationships. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. And then it's like, well, I'm it's trying to get true. you to do it's this. It's not true love, Will, if you, if you don't fall asleep to BTS. Love and, is not real. And wake up to uh, BTS. 
love is a figment of your imagination. <laughs> but it's like, number one, you've already trying to convince somebody to do something that they didn't decide to do on their own. And then you're like, well, that how can not, I make it easier for true. them? Because they it's been like, like, too hey, hard to do. show me about this Pokemon. That is not the problem that he posited. Okay, that's I right. mean, I feel like there's an argument to be made that just because you're aware of something existing doesn't mean that you don't truly know what it's like to experience that something. But it's like you Pokemon. can be aware of it's like uh, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like saying honey. It's like how do I convince somebody to try honey because it's sweet and delicious, but they're really put off by the gooey nature of it. It's like, dude, you live in this world. You either know that you like honey and want to try it, or you know that you don't no, like honey like, and you don't want to try I, it. You're 40 years old. You haven't tried honey yet. It's not my job to get you to try honey. I am very much in the camp that you don't know if you don't like something unless you try it because like sir, that's you because just... you are a youth no because you're just going off of what like other people are saying in their perspectives but you have your own unique perspective or, or somewhere or... around the age of 35 you're going to realize <laughs> like people under 35 you think that you're going to change the world and you're going to change the way people think once you're past 35 you're like nah i ain't changing nobody <laughs> You just, just I, sit here in my office, talk about Pokemon all day, and relax. I I tend to. I, I'm definitely agreeing with Brittany here, and <laughs> because there are there are a lot of things, specifically with Pokemon, that I told myself I was not interested in: breeding, ribbons, shiny hunting. You, I could even argue competitive, uh, and building a team that I have all done because. Other people were doing it and or I just took the time to do that. And I think there's value in setting aside time to do something to discover whether you like it or not. I just think a lot of the times stuff is unclear and frustrating or can be frustrating and it's a turnoff. And it's so easy in life when something's hard or frustrating, to fall back on something you know and something you like. Why should I give this television show a chance when the first episode was bad when I could watch reruns of a show I love? Um, but maybe, hey, if you give that TV episode another... If you, if you go back to watch that show and you try one or two more episodes, you might fall in love with it. Let me try to answer. Let me try. Let me try to fall in line with with what you guys and give Brandon an answer that he wants. To we hear definitely didn't answer Brandon's question yet. <laughs> nobody wants to touch on reality. So here's an example from my life. I, as I have mentioned on this program before, and I'm certain that I've mentioned on this program before, I like to have poem a day books where they provide you with a poem to read every day, and you can think and reflect upon that poem. I have a friend, and I said, well, there's a new poem a day book out, so I will get us both a copy, and we will each read the poem for each day, but here's the thing, right? That's like me saying, I'm buying you a copy of Pokemon so that you and I can play Pokemon okay. at the same time. I'm following. I then, I then said, if you want to discuss the day's poem with me, I will be happy to discuss it with you. If you don't, that's on you. You know, you don't, you don't have to. This is not a homework assignment. It's not an obligation. This is something that I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. And I left it at that. And so once again, leaving it in that person's decision, whether they want to do, do it or not do it. It's not my job to convince somebody to like something they don't like. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, all, that's all, like, I got Irene a copy of Let's Go Pikachu. 
and she played through all of Sun and Moon and all of Ultra Sun and Moon without you meet uh, like I didn't force her like she wanted she was excited for those games she wanted to play through those games she played through those games I think faster than I did initially I got her a let's go Pikachu she played through it a little bit and then stopped I didn't say like hey you need to finish these games like she just didn't <laughs> like them as much as Sun and Moon uh so like I get that like I'm not like disappointed in her for I'm disappointed in Will for not finishing Let's Go, but definitely not. I finished. <laughs> I finished. I am the Kanto champion. But no, I know what you mean, Will. Like I know you can only do so much yourself to get somebody to see what you enjoy. I 100% understand that. Yeah, you can put it in front of them and it's like if you if you can't like this person with them not liking the same things as you, you got to reexamine that relationship. <laughs> That's well, what you got to do. I think you also just have to know to actually answer the question: What do you guys think is the best way to help somebody get into Pokemon and how to do it? I think you just have to know your audience, and I think yeah, I learned I learned this when I got into board games. And if anyone has ever gotten into the 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 downward spiral that is Kickstarter and Gen Con and new board games coming out consistently, uh, you very quickly buy a lot of board games because they look cool, they look fancy, or they have this mechanic, or you might have fallen in love with the resistance and you're like, well, now I want this game and this game and this game because they're similar, but they're different. And you very quickly learn that that not everyone who sits across from you at the table to play a board game likes that type of game, right? So, for example, me and Irene and Micah and Becky love secret role games, like The Resistance, for example. And if we introduce our other friends, Alex and Katie, well, Alex loves secret role games, but Katie can't stand secret role games because she doesn't like lying. She doesn't That's think that me too. She doesn't think that mechanic is fun. It would be it, it was always foolish of me to bring to a new secret role game to that group of six people because one person doesn't like it and their in their fun their or their enjoyment of that game is significantly lessened which can dampen the mood at the table. Or just break the rules, right? Like if somebody says they can't lie and they need to lie and they can't lie, well, game's over. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work out that well. So, so like in that situation, it's like, okay, she does like games. Like there are games she likes. Let's go back. Let's review what game she likes. Okay, this new game came out. I'm pretty sure she's going to like it. I'm pretty sure the rest of the table is going to like it. And that's going to happen. Uh, like my friend Tim, who cheats all the time. You can't bring... Correct. Uh, you can't bring games that require uh, honesty. Fair <laughs> no, play. I wasn't gonna bring like <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring up another lying game because actually that game works out for him. You just have to know, like like with Tim, you can't bring a game that's gonna take like three hours. The dude just doesn't have the patience level to sit through a three hour game. I if you told me a board game was gonna last eight hours, I'd be like, sign me up. I got four bottles of Soylent. I got a tub of G Fuel. I'm here for an eight-hour game. I'm into this. But some people just don't want that 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 three to four-hour board game experience. So, like, what do you think the best way to get people into Pokemon is and how to do it? Just because your favorite game might be Diamond and Pearl 
Uh, you better hope that the person you're introducing Diamond and Pearl to, they love the slowest HP bars in the world. And they really love like, love walking through peanut butter. Because those games are slow and awful. They got some good charm about them. But there's nothing fun about that Swamp Area and Diamond and Pearl. There's nothing fun about how fast that game processes damage. So even though, like... And you see this all the time of, like, what Pokemon game would you recommend to a new Pokemon player, and you see so many people recommending HeartGold SoulSilver. That is like the worst game to recommend. Yeah. It has two regions, sure, but also like there's like zero experience share until you're you're almost done with the game. If if for some reason you're under leveled, there's no way to level in that game without defeating like Slowpokes or 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 Parises. You have to know what your friend or your partner or whatever likes in that specific game like do do they like character customization omega ruby alpha sapphire probably not the game for them then do they like simpler controls let's go pikachu let's go even might be the better game do they like spinning in circles and making eggs hey sun and moon has a spot in a little fence that you can spin in circles for days um so i think you just have to know well, also, if they don't, what I was going to say is if they don't have a lot of exposure to Pokemon, which once again, I don't understand how that could be, like find the vector that is in in line with what they like. If they play a lot of match three games on their mobile phone, then start them playing Pokemon Shuffle. And then they're like, oh, I like these characters. They're cute. And they're like, all right, well, here's, you can play this other game that's like, that has the same characters in it. And it's a different play style. And they're like, oh, I love playing with my little Raticate or whatever. If they so, like Mario I mean, Party, Pokemon Stadium. If that's honestly like their first Pokemon game, like Pokemon Stadium mini games for somebody who likes Mario Party, maybe they walk away from being like, man, that, that, that Clefairy was real cute with the glasses on, telling me to do left, up, down, down, B, B, A, up. Or if they like playing in groups of people, maybe try Pokemon Go and find a Pokemon Go community to walk around with and play games with. I think community is a great way to introduce people to Go. Mm-hmm. So many, like, so many people out doing the same thing. You can explain that there are these rare pokemon that will sparkle when you find them like i think go is i think community days are a good good thing for go Mm -hmm. and even though pokemon has been around for 20 plus years there's definitely people out there who may not have just been as exposed to it because for the longest time i didn't realize that animal crossing was a thing until fairly recently okay animal crossing and pokemon (laughs) are not on the same level I, i i understand that but there's there, there's the argument to be made just because something is 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 popular at least or in pop culture doesn't quite necessarily mean that everyone's completely aware of that they like fire emblem maybe pokemon conquest <laughs> <laughs> well it's that time oh excellent all right last week the clues Brittany. racing <laughs> a 10k got a medal I know some people looked up the metal so that they could see what the metal had. It's a uh, avian creature that's a raptor means it kind of eats meat as opposed to an avian creature that might eat berries or seeds or something like that. Uh, a nocturnal creature that doesn't poop so much but more spits up pellets. It's a very telling clue right there. And then in the Pokemon world, it's the only normal type 
besides its pre-evolution normal type that has the ability Tinted Lens, which doubles the damage of any not very effective moves used by the Pokemon. So who's that Pokemon? It's... It's... Shieldon. (laughs) Is Shieldon even a Pokemon? I forgot that there's another owl in the game, or at least in the Pokédex now, with Rowlet and Decidueye. Because it's like, oh, there's only is, one owl. It has to be not That is true. <laughs> that is... Mm, nope. Because we got those little Hawaiian owls now. Mm. Noctowl's shiny form is the first shiny Pokémon to appear in the anime. That's the only trivia there was. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's kind of surprising, because Noctowl's a pretty popular yeah. Pokémon. All right. It's a Pokemon, that's for sure. Oh, good gracious. This week's Pokemon is going to be a little trickier because I got complaints it was too easy. People don't like them when they're too easy. Ah. I got to vary. I got to vary. So, I mean, people got to vary. Like, we have different levels of spe- skill and experience here. So, from week to week, we're going to vary the difficulty level of the Pokemon of the week. It is a Pokemon this week, though. So, for all of the complainers when it's not, at least you're getting an actual Pokemon. All right, here we go. As I was taking my Saturday morning Pokemon Go walk this morning, I, once again, hit my limit on the number of Pokemon I can keep in my inventory. I have already expanded my storage to the maximum in Go, so I had to resort to once again trading Pokemon to the professor for candies. I tried to avoid trading Kanto Pokemon because I am keeping my extras of those around to transfer into Let's Go Pikachu even though I seem to have an inordinately large number of Oddish and Ghastly in my collection. You see, I once had a living Pokedex, and I no longer do. The difficulties of obtaining Meltan to convert into Melmetal have proven too high a bar for me to overcome yet. So, as I continued walking, I was left with Johto Pokemon, of which I also have an ample supply. I literally went through all of Johto and candied all my extras. Let's be honest, mostly Sentret and Hoot Hoot. As I approached the end of the Johto Pokedex, I noticed something a bit odd. After Pokemon number 224, two Pokemon, who you would thematically expect to appear together, next to each other, actually do not. These two Pokemon typically represent a particular holiday, not our current most proximate holiday, so you would expect them to exist next to each other in the Pokedex. The second of these two Pokemon, the one we care about this week, is the first normal-type Pokemon in Pokedex order that can learn the move Calm Mind. In Pokemon contests, and I quote, Calm Mind can be used as part of a Pokemon contest combination with certain moves, Confusion, Dream Eater, Future Sight, Light Screen, Luster Purge, Meditate, Mist Ball, Psy Beam, Psychic, Psycho Boost, Psy Wave, and Reflect, having their base appeal points doubled if they are used in the next turn. It can also be used as part of a contest spectacular combination, causing Baton Pass and Stored Power to give user an extra three appeal points if they are used in the next turn. That's all I have to say. So you can guess which is the Pokemon of the week this week from all that information. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. That was me stretching. When this episode goes up on Monday, we will be one 
two more podcasts before Sword and Shield comes out. Uh, two more. And then uh, we'll be doing, and then a podcast episode will come out Friday the 15th. And then pretty much every day then. They should be about 20 to 30 minutes. So that's that's the plan for that. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get his, uh, his, finally his vacation. <laughs> Will's like, I'm off for like three weeks. No podcast needed. If you made it to the end of the episode, super, super appreciate it. Uh, we are actually, I, I do have a little bit of homework. We are about five reviews away from 1,200 reviews in iTunes uh, or slash Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't and you made it here, I'm sorry. You should have left class early. But uh, five, of, five of you or, or whatever would like to leave us a review, it'd be sweet to get to 1,200 before Sword and Shield comes out. And thank you, everyone, this last week who did leave reviews. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, if you want to follow on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast, stay up to date with the show and any Pokemon news coming out. If you want to follow Will on Twitter at WashingTheSink, I'm at Twitter at DraggingALake. Uh, Brittany, would you like to share Twitter again? Yep, it's BevGranger711. That's B E V Granger, G R A N G E R. No I in there. 711. Enjoy your week. I am sure we will probably get starter mid evolutions. No. Eventually. Nope, they're not doing it this time. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, maybe not. We'll see. But we will see you guys next week. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. It's not super black and white. Like every podcast on the internet, we are funded by Patreon. This is a shout out to all the supporters at the producer tier on Patreon. A huge thank you to Kevin, Cygnus, Patrick, Jet, Jeffrey, Matthew, Alex, Catherine, Pancakes, Waffles, and Anthony. Thank you all for the support. If you've made it to the end of this episode listening to this promo, that is also support. So thank you. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week.